，我也想听，我也想听。<laughs> <laughs> 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 you're afraid you're gonna wake up going, "All I want for Christmas is my two fronties." <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. Yes, we still exist. We're back. <laughs> we, Remember us? We're back. We used to have yeah, a podcast. That's right. A little bit of a, a summer hiatus here. Um, not planned necessarily. It's just, you know, no, summers no, no. are very, very busy times uh, in life and ministry. So it, it's a little I, bit of a challenge. But Yeah, and I kind of messed it up because I... You know, it got crazy for me, and then I invited you into the craziness and said, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, why don't you come?" This here? is your so, fault. Yeah, yeah. So instead of you saying, yeah. "Hey, well, I could get a guest speaker and we could have the podcast," I was like, "No, you come over here with me and uh, and make your busy summer busy with me." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you came and uh, and were a part of our a vital part of our vacation Bible school for this summer, and so that was neat. But it tied you up too. Yeah, it was a it was a hectic week, um, <laughs> tiring week, but uh, it was good. It was good good time, and uh, I I ended up somehow in the end with a pie in my face. Um, <laughs> yes, literally, that's not a euphemism no, uh, no, or figure yeah. of speech. I, I had an right. actual pie in my face that my wife uh, put there. <laughs> right? Yeah, it wasn't me. That's something that makes me feel better no. or looks look well. Better. I do hold you responsible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like wait, so we 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 call you. So just so you know, I mean, in 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 the gesture of true Christian generosity, you know, we invite him to preach, you know, and teach like eleven times or whatever, and then we give him a pie in the face and a love offering. But it was right anyway. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, as we start off, we want to go back to our patrons and thank you for uh, hanging on and waiting for uh, another episode here and for supporting yes. uh, everything that we do. We sure appreciate your partnership and uh, look forward to jumping back into a discussion here. If you have any questions, um, now that we're maybe going to get a little bit of time to start answering questions, uh, whether it's something we're discussing or just something in your life uh, that you've thought through and you thought, hey, wait a minute, what should Christians think about that? Or does the Bible have anything to say about that? Uh, feel free to uh, shoot it our way, reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you'd like to become a supporter of this show, you can do that over at patreon.com slash reason together, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash reason together. Pick one of the support levels there and you'll get some perks uh, for that and uh, uh, including our eternal gratitude. And um, and that'd be great. <laughs> patreon.com slash reason together. Eternal gratitude. <laughs> yeah. That's if a, uh, if I slur any brand. of my words um, today... I, it's because I had a wisdom tooth taken out the other day. Ah, um, day before yesterday, actually. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, still, still a little tender from that. Um, but uh, I, I thought I would share this with you because I had one of these moments where you have to do this mental bargaining. You, you probably know what this is like, where where something is happening, and in the moment you have to make this decision: is this worth it? Is this is this not worth it? Um, 
<laughs> and you're kind of weighing your options. Um, I had I had this wisdom tooth pulled non-surgically, they call it. So like the, the typical way a wisdom tooth would be removed surgically is that they section it into like fourths or, okay. or at least mm-hmm. halves. Mm-hmm. And and it's rather invasive, rather traumatic to the to the gums and to the jaw. You know, mm-hmm. lots of swelling and bruising typically with that method. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when they're impacted, they have to be removed that way. Mine were not impacted. Um, I just had this wisdom tooth on the top left, uh, third molar, basically removed, and they actually they loosen the gum around it, and then they they go under the tooth with a tool called an elevator, and they just pry it up and out. Wow. It makes a crispy, crunchy sound as it comes out, but uh, they they numb you up uh, with local anesthetic. You know the the needle in your gums that that everybody knows that uh, who's been to a dentist. And they numb you up real good, so you don't really feel anything. <clears throat> but the the caveat with not being able to feel what's going on is that in the moment that he starts prying the gum away from around the tooth, because I was numb, it kind of felt like he was too far forward, <laughs> and I'm thinking. Oh no, he's on the wrong, wrong. tooth. <laughs> Where's your tooth? Where's your tooth? <laughs> 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 you're afraid you're going to wake up going, all I want for Christmas is my tooth. <laughs> right. I'm thinking he's on the wrong tooth. Now, I mean, he obviously wasn't. <laughs> okay, get it out now. Get it, get it out. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> that would be funny if he was like two two teeth forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I felt like. I felt like he was two molars forward of where he should have been. But like I said, I was numb. I, I felt like my sense of it is probably not accurate. So in that moment, I'm doing this mental bargaining. Do I let him finish? He's kind of already halfway through because it doesn't take long. He's already halfway through. Do I let him finish and then go through the trouble of getting a free implant to fix the issue? (laughs) Or do I try to flag him down now to get the right tooth and then deal with this partially extracted tooth? on the one side. So I'm having this mental bargaining and, and I, I kind of ended up internally shrugging my shoulders going, well, it, you know, I, I commit my, my yeah, hands okay. myself to him that judges righteously and I'm going to let yeah. the Lord take care of it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully he'll get the right tooth. Uh, but he did, he did get the right tooth and, uh, and, and did pull it out. So, um, yeah, I'm now a little less, less wise. Yeah, but but wiser for having yeah. not said anything. Uh, I oh. don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should have said something. I don't know. <laughs> but there's not a whole lot you can say when they got this giant wedge holding your mouth open. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there is something to that. Like when Dennis, you know, I don't know in 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 school, like when they're doing when they're teaching them, do they say, "Hey, just don't hold on conversations." You know, because you like stick your fingers in someone's mouth and then ask them a question. Well, yeah, you know, it's hard to, to respond. And so anyway, so. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, uh, so if he doesn't make sense today, he's got an excuse. He's got to pass at least for one episode. Yep. That's um, right. Yeah, no problem. Man, we have a <laughs> list and uh, and it's. I think even the questions, I don't know, maybe a question or two that you put on here. I like, wow, that. It sounds like something I would have asked or have thought of recently. Um, 
Well, which one? Let's jump right in. Okay. So this one here, um, can you lie to an Alzheimer's <laughs> patient? Right. Yeah, right. That I mean, honestly, okay. that, may, that may sound funny, but go ahead and explain what you're <laughs> thinking there. Well, it actually was kind of a last minute question um, that stemmed from a conversation someone was having with me recently who sadly his mother uh, has dementia or and or Alzheimer's uh, of some kind. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, she gets very worked up over things. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when she asks a question, if they tell her the honest to goodness truth sometimes – She'll go on for hours and hours and hours in anxiety and stress and uh, sometimes anger uh, from what I can gather. Um, and they were advised it's just easier to just lie. Yes, right. And I've heard, the, I've heard uh, almost that exact same thing here within the last week, I think, someone saying, uh, you know, regarding her relative. Mm-hmm. basically play along with that person's world. They perceive yeah. it this way, just act like, you know, so when they say, come and get me, all right, I'll be right there. And you're not going to do a thing about it. Um, hmm. That's, you know what I mean? To say, just play along with them because it puts them at ease. Yeah. Probably, yeah. You know, I, right. And I admit, I don't have a ton of experience uh, with this in the sense that, I mean, I've dealt with a lot of dementia patients over the course of my career Mm-hmm. But they were never a personal contact of mine, and they mm-hmm. were never with me for more than you know half an hour, forty five minutes at a time. Um, you know, at the longest when I would do like an MRI uh, procedure on them, you know, half an hour, forty five minutes. You know, so I'd never, never had like a personal contact where I was long term with someone who had dementia. Yeah. My my right. grandfather had uh, some mental status changes. Uh, in the last few years, um, but I didn't live near him. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I didn't have personal interaction with him a lot uh, in those years. So I, I'm not that experienced in having a family member like that. Um, yeah. And when they call you six, nine times a day, you know, um, and maybe <laughs> saying, hey, you need to you need to get me out of here because I'm at, well, they're, they think they're somewhere that they're not or something's going on that's not going on. Um, and they're worked up about it. <clears throat> How do you respond? Do you go, no, you're not there because in their, however, however that works, you know, in their mind, yeah. you know, that's where they're at, you know, and you're just denying it. You're not helping them out at all. And, uh, yeah. in, in their mind, they need to be delivered in some way, like, uh, or, yeah. or rescued. They need, they need a solution here. And you're like, oh no, I, or I can't come. No, I can't come right now. You, you know, I can't, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. If you're living in your world, anyway, what's your thought on that? Uh, are you are you familiar with uh, something known as a a platonic noble lie? No, not really. Have you heard of this? Um, which is it's kind of a, a misnomer, <laughs> you know, in a sense, is a noble, <laughs> a noble lie. lie. Really. Um, I think it I think it kind of traces back to something that Plato himself had said about lying, essentially for someone's protection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not sure what context he meant that in. You know, right. if he was talking about like. You know, Corey Tenboom with, you know, hiding Jews from Nazis and such. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what he was referring to, but the the way that it's used today is sometimes in the sense of I want to protect you from misunderstanding misunderstanding an issue that 
you might misconstrue. So I'm going to tell you something in a way that's kind of false for your protection. And and it's known as a platonic noble lie. I, I'm not a fan. I no, don't think it's good. No, that could go um, so many directions south. I Absolutely. Yeah. So many yeah, directions but, south. But, like you know. <laughs> I go like north, south, like east, right. west, south. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah, I do. But like in the sense of uh, an Alzheimer's patient, a family member with dementia, mm-hmm. is there such thing as a noble lie? That's the question. Um, are you asking like, can the lie ever be noble? Or you're saying, is it actually a lie? Is that which one are you asking? Well, either. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know that I could ever say a lie is noble. Um, mm-hmm. But I, we've had we had a discussion on a while back, a while yeah. back mm-hmm. about you know, would you lie lying, to save a life? Is lying always wrong? <clears throat> and uh, but but I guess so. I guess the way I define a lie is the intent to deceive is how I've I've come to define it. Because sometimes an untruth, somebody could say, that's a lie. Well, no, it actually wasn't a lie. It might have been a falsehood in the sense that a guy said something that was untrue, but he may not have realized it was untrue. You know, he was just passing on bad information or he, he was a slip of the tongue and he said something he didn't realize he said. And then we said, that's a lie. Well, no, because he, he wasn't intending to deceive. Um, he was just mistaken. I think there is a difference. But when somebody is, is intentionally crafting a statement to bend the truth or to um, yeah. subvert the truth with the intent to deceive you and to make you think that what he said was true, that's a lie. Yeah. Um, but that's really exactly in some ways what we're talking about with this Alzheimer's patient is to say that I'm telling them something I know is not true to pacify them in their reality. And I know to some people it's probably like, oh, come on, it's just as simple as they don't understand you know, they have a they have a, a mental condition uh they're not ever going to understand the truth um but in my mind i go to like a conversation we had before would i ever use someone's preferred pronouns right and i think maybe both of us said no we would not because we're not going to abet right. you know aid their falsehood in saying Look, you're living you're living in an alternate reality. You're living in something that is untrue and I'm not going to act like it is true and say, you know, and call you what you want to be called so that you can craft your own reality. Um so I'm not going to play along. Yet in our minds we would say that person has the ability to know what is real and what is true. They just don't want it. You know, they're denying reality for their sake of their own comfort and their own self-expression. Mm-hmm. With an Alzheimer's patient, you know, we have to argue that mentally they don't have the ability to uh, cognitively understand what actually is real and true. It, it's whatever's happening, yeah. I, I think, mentally is that is reality to them and the way that they perceive it. You can't reason yeah. them out of it, right? I mean, you would know more about this probably than right. I would just medically speaking, but I can't sit down and have a conversation. I'll say, no, you understand that here, here's the logical facts why this is that right. whatever happens Well, sometimes mentally, they... Sometimes they come and go uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not always consistent. True. So what the the issue is that we really don't know what they understand and yeah, what they yeah, don't. Yeah, and that uh, that's got to be very sad to see happen to someone. 
Um, and it's hard to understand what they even know about their own condition. Do they know that they struggle? Do they know that they forget things? Do they know that they misconstrue reality? You just don't know. It's one of the it's one of the several areas, and there are many areas of modern medical science where they don't fully understand the issue yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, recently, if you've been paying attention to the news, we're now set back probably a decade's worth of research, at least, into Alzheimer's because it was discovered that the original claim that Alzheimer's had to do with the levels of serotonin uh, was debunked. Uh, The Mm. claim was debunked. And all of the, many of the medications used to help with Alzheimer's treatments nowadays Mm -hmm. were based on that premise that has now been debunked. So we're set back probably 10 years in Alzheimer's research now. So it's a little understood area. Uh, of how it actually works. But to bring it back into the question of, of is it moral, is it right <clears throat> to, in a sense, lead them on in not understanding the truth? I think when we had the original episode of Would You Lie to Save a Life, we might have talked about like Rahab right, um, right. or yeah. um, the case in which da- I think it was David or Jonathan, probably Jonathan that was hit in the well and so on. Um there, there's an instance in which the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter one True. lied right. to preserve the lives of these babies because, uh, you know, God has uh, respect to life in that, you know, life should be preserved uh, against the whims of some egomaniacal madman uh, who rules a country. Um, so, so these midwives lie and it says um, in Exodus one and verse 20, that God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. In other words, it never condemns their lie. And in fact, goes far enough to say that God dealt well with the midwives. Now now it doesn't say he blessed their lie or (laughs) condoned their lie. Uh Well, so I'm not trying to find justification to lie, but I am saying that, um, that God's order is to preserve life. And Pharaoh's order was to kill these innocent lives, and these midwives honored God's order over Pharaoh's order. Right, which in is a sense a, here a fair point. However, <laughs> I, my my little bit of pushback on that would be: it doesn't actually say they lied, does it? Or does it say they lied? I mean, well, it, it, it doesn't the, outright say they lie, but the claim they that they said. make. The claim that they make was that the reason why they didn't obey the order was because all of the Hebrew women would give birth before they got there. Right. Which is, it's, it's suspect what they said. It's a uh, very yeah. suspect claim. Right. Um, well, nigh impossible really. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and even if it was true that maybe they just dragged their feet and didn't get there in time. Yeah they're still lying, right? They're still lying if that was the case. Um, so no, it doesn't out- overtly say that they lied, but it's it's almost certainly a lie. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to justify lying, but what I'm saying is if there is some sort of reason why, for instance, we don't fault Rahab for protecting the lives of the mm-hmm. is- Israelite soldiers there on her roof, we don't really fault her for that. The, the Bible doesn't overtly fault her for that uh, or condemn her act. Um, when we look at stories like that, there almost seems to be an instance in which maybe it's not justified to lie, but it is understandable that God's order is to preserve the life of the of the innocent. 
And the only solution they have in the moment seems to be that they lied. Does that make sense? Um, and life was preserved. So, so they were attempting not to lie for their convenience. Mm-hmm. They were right. not lying to preserve their way of life. They were lying to preserve an actual life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so I guess what, what that kind of brings into the question of an Alzheimer's patient is, what if it is physically dangerous to tell the truth to someone who doesn't understand reality enough to where they might, they might accidentally hurt themselves or maybe even intentionally hurt themselves or lose control in some way or do something dangerous because they're emotionally distraught over you telling them the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, does that bring in a similar scenario? Honest question. Right, right. Well, it's interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm paralleling at the same time um, an adult or a parent dealing with a child and saying, well, I mm-hmm. need to protect this child. That's where it gets like, really dangerous to me. Like, oh, great. Because then yeah. if, you, if you leave up this noble lie thing that a parent yep. says, well, I need to protect my child from this truth. Well, now he becomes the arbiter of what he needs to protect his child from instead of just right. exposing him to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where you do know, you stop? Yeah. And say, and so I'm thinking, say in, in a scenario, maybe where the child is adopted, right? Well, I need to protect him from that truth that he was adopted. Well, maybe it's best for the child to know he was adopted, you know? Um, and you, yeah. you should tell him, well, no, I'm going to lie to him and tell him, you know, that, you know, whatever, whatever. And they make up the story. Um, or what about, you know, if a guy was trying to save, you know, a bunch of children, you know, in a wartime situation or whatever, uh, but he has to try to couch adult truth in children's terms. Why, why are we mm-hmm. running away? Why are we running away? Um, because there's bad men who will hurt yeah. us. Okay. Well, that's not a lie, but you know, if they yeah. try to make up something like we need to get out of here because it's dangerous around here. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, the whole concept of couching truth in children's terms, is that in any way applicable to what we're doing here with someone who's been affected mentally is couching the truth in their terms, you know? Um, yeah. And so for me, that seems per- like a good middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems a good approach. And I think that would be for me the way I could. I'm not going to I personally, I don't think I could. Nece- I'm not necessarily going to outright judge somebody who decides to just play along with that person's reality. But for me, if they if you know, if a guy says, uh, hey, you need to come pick me up right now because uh, they're going to they're going to haul me off, you know, for me to say, I'll be there as soon as I can. Well, I will. Because I can't be there uh, sooner than any sooner than you can any sooner than two days, you know, and tomorrow when I'm going to visit you. Um, Right. But to that person, you know, they're they're relieved to say, ah, help is coming. You know what I mean? But that's still that still could be argued that, well, that's a deceit. Oh, okay, You know. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, not to get too far afield here because we do have other questions. But, you know, when you think about the battles that you see in Scripture, Uh, especially if you read through the story of when Joshua was leading Israel into Mm -hmm. the conquest of Canaan, Mm -hmm. the ambushes that took place, you know, Uh, there was a, uh, there was a quote, I think it was by, uh, Sun Tzu, uh, you know, the, the art of war guy, I think is what it was that, that all warfare is deception. Hmm. Interesting. And And if you think about it, especially the ambush. Right. Right. Especially the ambush, it, right. but even down to simple things like sparring with someone, 
even in hand to hand, you know, you fake the jab, but you throw in a, a cross well, yeah, instead, right, sure. that was a you know, right. or in jujitsu, you know, you, you fake a choke, but you slip in the arm bar uh, afterwards, just to, you know, all warfare is deception, you know, is that lying? <laughs> right. Wow. Um, and, and we don't interesting to, twist on it though. I like that. Yeah. We don't have to really delve too deep into it. Cause I know we've got other things, but it so just kind of came to mind. So are all boxers like pathological liars? <laughs> okay. You know, because they're all fake. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fake. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so honestly, I would like our <laughs> listeners' feedback on what's your take on that. And I mean, uh, if it's just as much as to say, well, my gut feeling is that, no, it's not a lie. Okay. You yeah. know, share that with us. But maybe there's a verse you're linking it to or story. Like, like Tom is here. He's linking yeah. it to specific stories or whatever to yeah. say, is there a precedent here or how can we wrap our minds around it? Yeah. I feel like I'm going to, I'm and just trying to say, the... in my gut, it, it seems like, it, you know, sometimes it's like the context of Christianity. Is it a lie? No, not really. That's what I feel like saying. Yeah. But can I point to one specific thing and really land on it strongly? No. Yeah. I got to be, if I'm being totally honest though, like if, if it came down to it and my back was against the wall and it was like, somebody was coming to my house from the government looking for my kids to take yeah. them from me. Right. And they were like, you know, we're, we're bringing all the kids away and kids under certain age are going to be executed. And they say something to me like, you know, where are your kids? I'm going to be like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. They're out in the woods. <laughs> Say bye. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was down in the basement playing that video game. Oh, oh, oh. right. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that, uh, maybe that reveals some terrible character flaw in me. I don't know, but uh, you know, that's that's kind of kind of the way I'd lean on it right now. If if that was the scenario, you know, should Corey Tenboom have uh, yeah. given up the the Jews that she was hiding and such? You know, that's 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 the question. Anyway. All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, we've got another question here that I don't remember what I meant by it, so I'm going to have to wait another episode on that until I remember what okay. did I mean by that question. You've but, got several here that I'd love to hear about, so uh, fire away. Yeah, especially the ones with like the yellow bar here that like don't yeah, peak, the, right? They just the don't peak. Yep, killing you. Okay. All right. Well, let's see here, man. Um, okay. Okay. Here's one. I have an unfortunate cliche. We uh, we talked some weeks back about. Uh, what was, oh, thought terminating cliches. That was funny. Yes. You know, uh, yes. st statements that really don't solve anything, but they end the discussion. This one I just put as an unfortunate cliche, and I'm sure we could come up with others and we can, you know, pepper them in, in coming episodes or whatever. But it's one of those things you hear people say that you're like, no, that's really not a great, I mean, it's not a great encapsulation of what's going on here. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, so you're in this, you're in a difficult time or, or things, something's just really gone bad wrong uh, or the government's, you know, wildly out of control and, and, you know, the country's in a tailspin, whatever, you know, you're <laughs> wonder life, where we'd get that idea from your life's in a tailspin. And somebody says, well, God is in control. You know, God is in control. To me, I personally don't care for that statement. Not because I don't think God is in control, but sometimes the way it comes off to me is when you say God is in control, meaning that um, he's designing all of this, um, mm -hmm. that that this is all a part of, you know, what God wants. Now, I'm going to try to try to temper this as I go along. God obviously is the designer 
And when things go wrong, it is a part of the design in the sense that if we violate the design, there's a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so when you do something wrong and there's a consequence like, Oh, why did God do that? Well, he didn't really technically like overtly do it. Like, aha, you know, you, you rammed your toe into a piano bench. And so I'm going to cause pain in your toe. Ha ha ha. That's a judgment. No, it's not really a judgment. That's just a consequence. Mm. It's the way it was designed. Um, but to say, Oh, you man, my toe is broken. Oh, well, God is in control. Wait, what, what does that mean? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. That God, God wanted yeah. you. God wanted you to break your toe, and he he'll control well, all that. Well, God is sovereign. I understand that, but he also allows the design to to work because it's all consistent yeah. with his nature. And so the concept well, of God being in control, thought, it is still a thought terminating cliche when used like that <laughs> yeah, okay. because. It does. It does mean you know I'm really done with trying to think through the nuance of this issue, so I'm just going to throw my hands up. Well, God is in control. God is in control, and just kind um, of, where, where, whereas you know you you could think through the nuance of it, like right. what you're doing. You're you're talking about you know God permitting something versus God causing something. You're right. talking about you know the the consequence of a bad action versus the consequence of natural law. You know, that God builds pain into things so you don't keep your hand on the hot stove and burn yourself. Um, you know, you're, you're thinking through the nuance of it, whereas mm-hmm. maybe some folks just get tired uh, of, of thinking through nuance or, or they don't like the mental strain of thinking through nuance or maybe they mm-hmm. don't like the answer they might come to yeah. uh, if they think through nuance. So just throwing your hands up and say, well, God is in control can be used as a thought terminating cliche, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is always implicitly a thought terminating cliche. Yeah. Right. Right. It can be an actual accurate statement to a point. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think if you take, I think if you take Calvinism to its logical conclusion, you know, God becomes the author of everything. Um, and so he, you know, he's the author of sin. He's the author of misfortune. He's the author of whatever, because, you know, everything that happens in that theology is because God, what, what's the, um, what's the word Thiessen uses? Um, um, there God's, um, oh, he uses the, you're talking about permissive will as, no, as a, a um, causative, um, no, there's a certain t- decree. Because God, oh, yeah, that's decre- the word God decreed it. Wait, you know what? Uh, you know, so so. Uh, oh, this 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 lady got raped. Uh, God decreed that. No, he didn't. Um, you know what I mean? God's not the author of that. And um, and so to say, well, God is in control. To me, goes whoa. What? I I think it could convey. It. I mean, if you don't understand, like you said, the nuanced theological implications of that statement it can convey to a person. And I think, and this is where I probably cringe sometimes at what are we conveying to, to uh, an unregenerate person listening to this, you know, say, well, God is in control. Well, if God is in control and that's what's happening, I don't, I'm not really interested in that, you know, to, to kind of, if I can try for a moment to think like an unregenerate person, which I I realize I can't because (laughs) I'm not. Um, So, I mean, understand the limitations here, but, if I were an unregenerate person and someone says God is in control, they can tell me all day long that either God caused something or God simply permits something. And as an unregenerate person, I'm not going to really care about the difference because, well, he still signed off on it. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I can see how someone would come to that conclusion. If you say God is in control, I can understand how they feel like, well, even if he doesn't cause it and yet he permits it, he still permitted it. And if I don't already have an amicable view of God, mm -hmm. I'm going to see malice in that. I'm going to see contempt in that. You know, why would God permit something to happen that is evil? And, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, someone who is a believer, they can recognize that God does permit evil things to happen. But yet, you looking at the big picture, there is an overall plan to God's design mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in which his sovereign will is worked out uh, in the universe. Mm -hmm. Um so, I mean, we can try and break it down into permissive will versus causative will and such, but ultimately, you know, if God is still sovereign, he is still signing off on everything. I get, I think I know what you mean by the signing off on, um, he's, yeah, he's to, to use, to use modern, to use modern nomenclature, you know, mm -hmm. signing off on it. Yeah. I realize it's maybe somewhat of a colloquialism, but yes, you know, if God does permit something, he is signing off on it. Um, it's just as a believer, I trust God that even if something takes place that is evil and I know that God permitted it, I still trust him. I know he's got a plan that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Whereas to the skeptical mind, that's an unforgivable thing that God did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, the, the whole idea about taking things to their logical conclusion yeah, we can break down permissive versus causative, but the logical conclusion is that, yeah, God is sovereign and he did, he did permit it when he could have stopped it, you might say. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I still think there could be, yeah, obviously it's, it's a, uh, uh, in a misperception. Is that the right word? Yeah. A misperception of God, you know, at, at some level. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is the fact that God, if someone doesn't trust him, desires or designed that, well, he doesn't, he didn't design sin. He doesn't desire sin. Um, mm -hmm. and there's even multiple levels of his, I, I would say personally of his desire. Um, for instance, mm -hmm. we say, uh, well, he, um, for instance, uh, was it Peter says, God is not willing that any yeah. should perish. In other words, he truly does not desire that any would perish yet. Do they? Yes, they do. Why? Because there's a higher mm -hmm. desire that man have a choice, you know, and that desire will not mm -hmm. go unfulfilled. Um, right. so his, you know, his, his design will be worked out in that way, not because everything that he truly desired in his good and righteous nature would be fulfilled because we're free beings in that sense, uh, or at least have the freedom of choice to, to reject him. And, um, yeah. and that's not something he desires and yet he desires us to have free, free will. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't good. say he's, I, I like that. Uh, I like that explanation that there's levels of desire. I, I like that. So let me see if that went into another, anyway, so that was one, one, uh, thought I had, uh, unfortunate cliche. If you've got a feedback on that reason to get the podcast at gmail.com, we've got about 10 minutes left and, um, <laughs> let me ask you, <clears throat> let me ask you this is um this is another maybe a, a kind of a statement you know sometimes our uh, we say our movement i don't necessarily like that term but okay our circle different circles come up with certain terminology right they learn to phrase mm -hmm. things a certain way and we've gotten used to and we've talked about this you know um you know, you know the spirit of god moved upon my heart you know or whatever you're like what um you know if you're not from a, <laughs> from it so anyway one of the things that one of the statements that we've used we've we've talked about sin in your life 
sin in your life. Okay. And I guess this, mm-hmm. I must have, I heard this recently. Um, and I asked this question, is there ever a time when a man can say, I have no sin in my life? <laughs> hmm. The, there's, there's more to it than, than that. Um, cause I mean, the thing is you still have a sin nature. Right. Right. Good. During this life all the time. Um, in that sense, is there still sin in your life? Well, I think Romans chapter seven is where Paul says that it is, how does he say it? Is sin dwelleth in me? Is that, is that how he said it? it sounds right. Um, I have to look uh, it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Romans seven. Uh, but I think, if you're looking that up, I'll just keep talking here for a second. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But the uh, the implication of saying that someone has sin in their life, I know what they mean by that. They mean active, yeah, unconfessed, right. unresolved, current sin that someone is is still participating in. That's that's what I think is meant by the cliche. So it's like. Right. Do, there you do, go. do I define that based on what I think you mean or <laughs> or what it actually is? Do I be a complete and utter pedant with the saying or do I just take you for what I know you mean? Um, <laughs> I probably opt towards the first <laughs> say, uh, let's define yeah. our terms. Um, right, right. Uh, it says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Um Let's see. I mean, what, uh, that, what verse is that? That's that is uh, verse fourteen. Um, then he's talking verse nineteen. The whole kind of confusing terminology in English for the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Um, he says evil is present with me when I would. Yeah, do verse good. seventeen. There it is. Verse seventeen. Yeah. No now more. then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So he says okay. sin dwells in him. Yeah. And then he says, verse 21, I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Yeah. For I delight in the law after, of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. So so he's talking about, maybe, uh, and I don't really personally let me, like the idea, like the terminology sin principle, but anyway, that's what comes to mind. So, okay, he's saying that there's a, a nature, a something in him that is bent toward wanting to do evil and he's desiring in his spirit to live for the Lord. And I guess when we say no sin in my life, that's what I would, would say too. what you said is that, is there any active disobedience in my life? And I feel like, well, more than feel like I believe that a case can be made scripturally that we can say that there are times when there is no sin, not a sin, not a proclivity to sin or a, uh, an inward sin nature desiring me to sin, but there literally is no um, consent to that sin. There's no disobedience. There's no hindrance between me and God. Because otherwise, you know, yeah. if I'm being if I'm being filled with the Spirit, if I'm surrendering to the Lord, if I'm saying, God, another way that we terminology term it, you know, as well as I know my heart. However, we say that. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if I know my heart, I am obeying you. Well, in that case, how can you be fully surrendered to God and have, you know, a sin between you and God? Because essentially the heart well, attitude I'm, is that anything that we're there, God, I can, I'm confessing, I want it out of the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of opens up a can of worms in some ways, because Perfect. should I, should I ever trust my own assessment of myself? That's the question. 
Because like if I get to a point where I say, Lord, you know, as well as I trust my heart, I, I, I can't know if that, I can't remember if that's how you said it or not. As, as yeah, well I as I know exactly my heart. People word it, but. Yeah. As well as I know my heart, there's no sin between me and thee right now. You know, I am making an assessment of myself mm-hmm. at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I understand. Is it wise for me to ever trust my own assessment of myself? Based on what we know of the heart from scripture, should I ever trust my assessment of myself? Uh, I would say yes, if if uh, it is, if at the same time you're constantly pursuing God in his word, if you're constantly calibrating your perspective. I understand we use the Jeremiah 17, 9, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can yeah. know it? Um, and yet, I think you could find other verses, you know, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes yeah. observe my ways. Um, that, you know, we should love God with all of our heart. Wait, wait, you mean that deceitful, desperately wicked thing? Yeah. Like, and, you know, so, okay. Uh, you love God yeah. with all of your heart. So there is a sense <clears throat> in which our heart isn't just absolutely like uh, off, off the charts. Like, well, we just dismiss our heart. Our heart has nothing to do with it. Um, to say, no, our heart is involved in things and I am supposed to um, be discerning in order to be discerning and a, um, a judging person who is wise, I have to use the capacity of my reason or of my heart or, or the ability to distinguish between things. And so yeah. if I'm calling that my heart, my, that ability to assess things, well, yeah, I have to trust it because God wants me to. That's why, you know, um, when, when he, when he, uh, uh, commands me to use good judgment, you know, and to discern between evil and good. Mm-hmm. If we want to say yeah. that, that the heart and, and the ability to assess are the same thing, then I'm, then we're bringing in the heart picture as yeah. actually having a well, job. Right. Yeah. And I think it comes down to the difference of words, particularly one word. So, so there's a difference between saying as, as much as I know my heart, I think I'm right with the Lord right now. Mm-hmm. Versus as much as I know my heart, I know I'm right with the Lord right now. I think there's a subtle shift between whether you use the word I think versus the word I know. And it's like, I'm a little hesitant knowing what I know about the heart to just dogmatically declare, oh, I know I'm right with God right now. Well, it's like, I would rather say, you know, based on what I know from scripture about my heart and what I know about the Lord. I think I can say right now that I'm in fellowship with the Lord. I'm right with the Lord. And I think I understand this situation and what the Lord wants me to do and such. In other words, there's an epistemic humility there. Whereas the other person saying, I know, you know, there, there's almost a little bit of a danger there of them trusting their heart a little too much. Because how I, many people have said, I know I'm right with the Lord. And yet everybody knows they're not. Yeah, right. And I can see that. I can see where people, because they don't have um, a biblical framework, they feel or think something that is entirely untrue. And yet, I feel like to live in a state of, um, uh, what would we say, you know, not ambiguity, but basically uh, of a, a kind of unknowing about my relationship with the Lord. I don't think that's what God designed either. When he said, be filled with the spirit. I, I think we actually literally can be. And we just walk in the spirit. And and I feel like we can pursue things and know that 
we are filled with the spirit at some point and say, I, I am, I am obeying the Lord. Now I, I know I do question myself and say, I don't want to be apathetic and realize, oh my goodness, all this time I've been, you know, I've been, uh, not surrendering this to the Lord, but, but isn't that part of growth though, that I, I was surrendered as much as I knew. And in time, God brought this thing to mind and said, look, you haven't been doing this. Oh God, I'm sorry. Wow. I've been yeah. reserved in that way. And so, but I'm still walking in the spirit. And so there is still right. that free and open fellowship with him. That's not saying, well, it's not saying that I'm sinless in the sense that there is nothing wrong with me. It's saying that I am uh, in fellowship with God, meaning there's no sin intentionally or knowingly between us. Does that make sense? It's not right. saying I'm yeah. perfect, but it's saying I'm maturing and that, and that I'm, I'm, I have a fellowship with God. Right, right. Yeah, there's, there's an epistemic humility in there in which uh, you're, you're willing to concede that there are things that you know and to the best of your knowledge of yourself, your own ability to assess your own heart, you believe that you're in line with those principles. Yeah. Right. Um, right. But, you know, there there are some folks who are a little dogmatic about that. Um, and right. that to me is dangerous because how many times do you get dogmatic about your relationship with the Lord only to find out later that you were wrong? <laughs> about something, you know, and it's like, I felt so sure at the moment. I felt like I was really, like, I really knew, like I was really walking with the Lord. Then you look back at that point in your life and you're like, man, I was immature. Well, and I don't know that both of those, that they're mutually exclusive, um, that I could have truly been walking with the Lord and yet I was immature. I mean, that I was surrendered. I didn't know everything and I may have been, Mm -hmm. um, well, like, as you say, immature, I maybe wasn't making the best decisions looking back with what I know now in my maturity. Was I making the best decisions? No. But was I walking with the Lord? Yes. I think the, so I, I can see the one side is being too confident. Got to be careful of that. But I, I feel like mm-hmm. we have to be careful not to go the other direction and move the needle across the center point to say, you know, uh, none of us is ever, none of us is ever really fully surrendered to God. None of us ever really walks in the spirit. Uh, well, uh, we should be, that's actually, that's a command of scripture that we should Mm -hmm. be. And so it actually is possible to, so if it's possible, I can say, uh, I, it actually could be true that I I could say I'm walking in the spirit and not be lying, you know, but Mm -hmm. anyway, so I just don't want to make it sound like it's, it's, it never could be a reality. We never, none of us could, you know, actually be filled with the spirit. Well, um, I God intended for that to be a reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, okay, well, good. That's yeah, brings us to the end of our time. Any other thoughts you want to say on that before yeah. we go? Well, I do. I do kind of want to take a tangent on that, just okay. a short one, but mm-hmm. we'll have to save that for the after show. Okay. Um, what good. what other question do we want to take into the after show? Do you want to kind of tease it here a little bit? Okay. Um, well, yeah, this one may be kind of tough to do on the spur of the moment, but. Um, this was from an elite patron here, I believe, and it deals with catechism. I've thought about this this very same oh. thing with my family, um, kind of the use of yeah. catechism. And so maybe we should uh, deal with that one. Okay. Yeah, we can take that into the after show. If you yeah. would like to listen to the after show, folks, um, you have to be an elite patron. Uh, and you you do that by going over to patreon.com slash reason together and choosing the elite support level. Uh, and then you'll get you'll get access to the uh, after show. You'll get a free T-shirt and uh, access to the patron message boards and 
and so on. So uh, patreon.com slash reason together. If you'd like to submit a question for the show, you can do that at reason together podcast at gmail.com. Uh, anything else we have for them? Um, no, no, I don't believe nope. so. We're encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together. <laughs>